Welcome to Beyond the Pink Cloud, the podcast where we talk about moving forward in our lives through recovery and navigating the world with grace, ease, and humor. We've got tools and strategies from the experts to help you live with less stress and increased ease. Let's get into today's episode. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode. Guys, this episode is awesome. Caitlin is a badass woman. She really is. She's funny. She's very intelligent. She's well-spoken and she's incredibly passionate. And she has wonderful practical advice for us. And she's a, a heartfelt person and talks about what it is to be a healer. And I love the combination. So you're going to love this episode. I'm keeping it short tonight. So I can put this out and have it for you Wednesday morning as promised. In other news, I'm doing this 30-day meditation challenge. Anyone's welcome to join. It's really straightforward. It's going on in my Facebook group. There's a link at the bottom in the show notes. Pretty much just pick 10 minutes a day, meditate, and then let us know in the group. I'm holding accountability, sharing some guided meditations as well as today we just did a silent practice together and I put the the camera up in front of the ocean. So there'll be stuff like that as well. So you're welcome to come in if you'd like to get going with your own practice again. That's that's something that I've been needing and it feels really good just to, to have the accountability and to be making it a focus and a priority. So if that's something you're interested in, very low pressure, but it is a supportive community around doing a practice that works for you and that helps you in this time of COVID and of ongoing uncertainty. But I think some of the the practical tools in this episode will be helpful for, for pretty much everyone. Although we do talk a lot about entrepreneurship, there's also some really interesting links to recovery in that Caitlin uh, vocalizes how big of a deal resentments are. And I was like, oh, that's quite huge in the recovery world is this whole concept of working with resentments. So anyway, you're going to love the episode. I have a three-month program that's coming up starting September 15th. It's going to be an awesome, awesome program. I'm still in the stages of finalizing all the details of it, but of course I'm letting my listeners and my Facebook group and everyone on my list know first because it will be a lower price point for the first 10 people that sign up. And it's going to be something unlike anything I've done before. So if you want to have more individualized attention and work with some of these deeper things, this is the program for you. So that information is coming for you and I'm excited about it. So that should be great. And you'll hear more about it soon. And that's it. You guys have a wonderful evening, a wonderful day. And thank you so much for being here with me. And please like, please subscribe, please tell your friends about the podcast. And we will just keep bringing you awesome content and amazing guests. Thank you. Hi, and thanks so much for joining us for another episode of Beyond the Pink Cloud. This is your host, Dr. Alice Kirby. And with me today, I have a, an amazing guest, uh, Caitlin Donovan. She is the author of The Bounce Back Ability, The Bounce Back Ability Factor. Let me say that right. It, her book is coming out September 14th, so we will definitely post links to that in the show notes. She is an acupuncturist and a burnout coach, as well as uh, she does Fried the Burnout Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited, especially after having listened to some of your podcast episodes. I just, I love what you're doing and I feel really grateful to be sharing space with you today. Oh, thanks so much. That's really nice. Um, 
So I'm curious about so many things about you in the work that you do, and maybe you could just tell us uh, or give a, a definition that you use with your clients around what, what is burnout? So burnout, if you're going to go with the, uh, I'm very, I'm an acupuncturist, but I started as a pre-med student. So I really love science. I'm not anti, you know, a lot of acupuncturists, a lot of alternative medicine seem to be um, anti-Western medicine. I'm not, I love it. I, I love science. I love research. So if you look at the research, burnout is defined by three factors. One of them, and these three factors should exist simultaneously. The first one is physical and emotional exhaustion. The second is cynicism and detachment. So like an internal negative Nancy, as I, I like to call her. And the third one is a lack of feeling accomplishment or impact with your work slash life. That's, that's great. I love how clear that definition is. And I am, uh, I'm right there with you. I was a pre-med student as well. And uh, I love science and research. And I think there, there is that weird sort of I don't know, that barrier where there's like, well, this is alternative medicine and this is science. It's like, no, it's, let's, let's look at all of it. How about, um, and treat people wherever they are, which I yeah. think is wonderful. How did you go from working with, or how did you get to working with burnout, especially as an acupuncturist? I could definitely see how that could come up frequently as far as your patients. Can you walk us through a little bit of your, your story and your history? Yeah, sure. So when I uh, left Boston University, the pre-med program to go study Chinese medicine, it was quite a jump. I mean, I had a full scholarship to Boston University as a pre-med student. It was sort of a big deal. And I was then I was going to for, instead of an MD, a master's program in California in a subject that most people don't even under, know has a master's degree attached to it. You know, never mind that it also has a doctorate degree that you can get, but people don't really know that. So I, I, um, I went from this place of knowing that I was going to do something big and important and have the title to match to going into a profession where I felt like I was going to have to prove myself. And I also finished my job, I finished my studies, my master's degree when I was 24. I moved to Poland that same year because I had met someone and was moving to, to my fiance. And I started working in a foreign country where acupuncture, I mean, I had just left California. So I pretty much, you know, people know acupuncture in California. Mm -hmm. It's pretty widespread. In Poland, nothing. So I was the first acupuncturist countrywide to work in a fertility center in Poland. Wow. wow. A country of 40 million people. You've got this American girl who doesn't speak English, who's 24 years old, fresh out of school, already has underlying sort of tendencies of needing to feeling the need to prove herself, not, not being really aware of my own value and my own worth if I'm not being useful, right? I, I, I needed to be useful. So I started this from a position of, I must be everything to every patient because if I'm not, then I'm not worth their money and their time and their investment and everything else. Even though I was helping people create families, there's hundreds of couples in Poland who would not have had their first child without me. So you'd, you'd think that that would work, but it, it didn't. It just didn't. So I, I really started my career from this place of I must prove to people that I'm not crazy for leaving Western medicine and going to acupuncture. I must prove to people that I'm valuable enough by overgiving to all of my patients all the time. I must prove to people that I'm worthy of being here even though I'm 24 and don't necessarily have enough life experience or work experience for that matter at that point. 
and I ran myself into the ground. I think so. So much of what you're saying people can relate to. I know I certainly can. Um, I think before that was a, a lot of why I went back to pursue my degree in higher education. I, I had studied Chinese medicine re- relatively informally, but I was in a year-long program in my um, up in my massage school in Northern California, and I was a massage therapist, and I did stuff with herbs, and it was just never, I'm like, no one's ever going to take me seriously. I need to have this Western medical education. I need to have doctor in front of my name. And, you know, I, you know, I ended up going through PT school and I get to call myself a doctor, which is cool, but that stuff, it doesn't, it just comes from another place. I don't think it really ever comes from how many accolades we have or how hard we work, or it's like looking for that external, um, I guess, support or external validation is really what I'm trying to say. It just never, it's never enough is something I really come to terms with in recent years where it's like, I've got to have my own internal validation. Was that yeah. something that you kind of found along this? Well, what's really interesting about that is that I believe in external validation. But I believe in external validation when it arises spontaneously and someone is sharing with you that they think that you're special for whatever reason. And I believe that that guides us into allowing ourselves to feel that way about ourselves. Hmm. So, and that was true for me. So I have kind of like a lot of, even though I'm a coach, I have kind of a lot of issues with the life coaching world. One of them being, if you just love yourself enough, like, you know, you have to love yourself first. I didn't love myself first. Other people loved me first and taught me that I was lovable. That didn't come from me. That started outside of me. I needed the proof that I was worth it, kind of. I needed the proof that people were going to love me even when I made mistakes. And it took that for me. So to me, it's the, the external validation that you're searching for by getting those accolades is not the one that's going to fill you up, mm. but you still need the external, some, some form of external validation because we survive at, in communities where we're not in bubbles. And so I think that this sort of idea that we can do everything on an individual level, which is like so American, uh, that we can do everything on an individual level is extremely flawed and really dangerous. I agree. And I think that's, I work a lot with addiction and it's, it's so interesting what you were just saying. And I love it. I love your take on external validation. I agree with a lot of what you're saying. Um, and so I work with addiction and in, in kind of the 12 step world, there is this whole concept of like other people have to love you back to yourself, especially if you, you know, you've been through massive addiction and trauma and you're at this sort of poor, miserable, like really sad, devastated place there. It's hard to figure out that internal love. And I think that's just an interesting parallel that a lot of that comes from other people loving you so that you can start taking some of these esteemable actions and, and steps. And to speak to your point about the disconnection, and this is one of the biggest things that I think is a problem is the fact that we, we were disconnected from other people from nature and, and from ourselves. I think even this whole idea of like self-love and love yourself and take a bath, like it's great, but what are the tangible factors that go with that? Like, what are you doing to love yourself? What are you doing to create trust within your own body? Um, and to I don't, me the question is not what you're doing, but what are you actually feeling? Exactly. Yes. What's right? happening? What feeling. When you decide to give yourself a manicure and say, I'm going to spend this time with myself, like as somebody who burnt out, self-care was hard for me. Like I don't like to make time even to do my hair in the morning because I just don't think that I'm worth that much effort. 
you know, so it's, so those self thing, those self care things matter, but those self care things are useful when you're doing that manicure and you say like, wow, it's really nice that I'm doing this for myself. It's not useful when you're doing that manicure and saying, well, if I don't have this manicure done, then I'm not good enough to be on this podcast. Hmm. It's a good distinction. And I love that you brought up feeling because that's everything you do is what I'm all about. Yeah. Yeah. And because for me, that is the pathway to self-trust and self-love. It's like, if I can be present with what I'm actually feeling, that's you're golden, you know, then you're in here, you're, and you're able to navigate some of these other things. Um, But I love your point about external validation too, because you're right. We don't exist in a bubble. And if we're like, going around and doing coaching or doing whatever work we do and no one's telling us it's helpful, like that's a problem. We need to reassess and get more training yeah. or, um, cause I think there's a lot of this stuff too in the entrepreneur world where it's like, you're just, you're, you're ready. You can like go do stuff. And it's like, well, no, sometimes you actually just need some more training depending on what you're yeah. doing. Um, and that's okay. Like just go figure out what it is and get it Yeah. or, or change courses. But it's not this like, well, because I want to do this, I'm going to, I'm not You can a- do anything. Just claim it. No. Yeah. You got, so you need some training. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, and you need to go through, through some things yourself. Like one yeah. of the big issues with my, um, I was very good at, ac- well, I'm still very good at acupuncture, but I was very good as an acupuncturist, very successful in Poland and in the Czech Republic. Now my office is in New York city, but it's only been open a few months. So we're still in the beginning stages there, but I was very successful as an acupuncturist. So when I moved into coaching, I hadn't sort of done some of my own work and I knew a lot of the things on a mental level. Like I had read all the books and done all the trainings, you you know, I can check off all the, I did a two year long apprenticeship to become a life coach. I didn't do a traditional schooling. I did an apprenticeship with with an incredibly powerful woman. And, you know, I knew all these things in my head and this goes back to like a lot of burnout mm, behaviors even things that are related to sobriety and addiction, both, this is where there's a really strong correlation, I believe, come from a place of trauma, right? You create, there was some trauma in your life, what, big T, little T, whatever, there was some trauma in your life, you created an adaptation, that adaptation took you through your life for a long period of time, and now it's making you tired. Yeah. You know, so we get to these, um, I lost my train of thought there, but I knew that that was important to add. <laughs> it was great too. I love how you said it. I, I love listening to you. I'm like, God, this woman is brilliant. <laughs> and I don't remember where I was going with that, but I do think that even just that bit is really important to recognize that we're behaving in certain ways because of previous experiences. And oh, it was about um, people do like going through their own shit, basically. Can I swear here? Sorry. Sure. Yeah. I don't care. Um, and so I, I knew I had all this knowledge, like I had read all the books, I'd done all the training. I had a master's degree. I had been teaching other acupuncture students. I had, you know, 10,000 acupuncture treatments under my belt, but I hadn't embodied any of the wisdom that I had gained. Right. I was always praised for being the smart kid. So I thought if I could figure everything else, figure everything out on an intellectual level, on a conscious level, that I would be fine. And I didn't take the time to really let it sink into my body, to use the practices I had learned instead of just know about them. So when I first started coaching, I was doing it in my acupuncture practice and it was helpful because I was working with people I already knew, but it really took me stopping and saying, okay, Katie, like you need to heal from this burnout first and then share 
once you've been through that space, like I was just talking to someone last week, um, a potential client and she was saying, yeah, so I jumped in and like, I'm a burnout coach now, but I'm still burnt out. And that's okay. You only technically need to be one step ahead of the person that you're guiding, right? You don't need right. to be a guru or a master. And I'm not saying you have to have everything solved because that's a big issue in the healer community, right? Like I eat M&Ms, so I can't tell people about nutrition or whatever it is. Um, and so, you know, I don't want to crush your dreams and say you have to be perfect by the time you have a client, but you do have to embody the knowledge that you've gained in order to share it with people in a way that match, that meets them where they are instead of what you see with your conscious brain. Does that make sense? It does. And I, I think it's like your, your subconscious is talking to their subconscious at that exactly. point. And it's like when people know that you, it's that, that resonance, you know, yes. bit that we talk about with somatic experiencing is when you, and that works so tremendously with clients, sometimes even just sitting with someone in resonance and that's enough, you know? Not always. Sometimes you need to do you know, more, but I think having that piece is is really important, and it, it does it builds like a, a trust. And again, I think it's like that subconscious level trust of, yeah. oh, you could you know you kind of you know you know, and and so therefore I can be more okay to share with you or be open with you or do this work with you. Yeah, and this goes back to the episode that um, you talked with Justin Sinceri in April, um, and about you know making the nervous system feel safe when you enter your own coherence and then create resonance with another human being, you're allowing their parasympathetic nervous system to relax. So there is an actual relaxation that happens naturally just because we're in this space. Yeah. And that is what allows people the chance, their bodies, the chance to start healing. So this is where like people, healers especially have a problem with the word healer. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's not me. I'm not doing it. It's your body. Like, yes. And can we go with it? Let's go improv on this one. Let's go. Yes. And yes, your body is doing the restoration, but my internal work of creating coherence between my heart waves and my brain waves before stepping into the room with you allows your body to resonate with what I'm creating. So you can measure this. This is science. This is absolutely physiologically. You can measure this right? Allows your body to enter that state within which you can heal. So did I heal you? No, but I did create that space. So I'm, I'm kind of okay with the word healer because there, it, it recognizes, and again, we're going back to this like individuality that makes me crazy. It recognizes that we are more likely to heal when there is someone creating space for us. Absolutely. It's that idea of, um, co-regulation too is, yeah. a, is a nice word for it. Um, and there's some, I think it's a Peter Levine quote where he talks about like healing, being present with someone as they're, you know, reliving trauma or going through this trauma healing, like that's where the healing is. It's like having right. somebody be this present witness with resonance, with the ability yeah. to provide that co-regulation. Exactly. Absolutely. You know, a lot of times people will ask me like, well, how do I, you know, what should I be doing on my own? And certainly there's things, but it's also like, well, at some point, really just work with a practitioner. It doesn't have to be right. me, but work with somebody that you, right. you know, have that established relationship with because that's, that's really where the magic happens. And that's that's where, where the, the magic happens. And that's why healers, I feel like, should be able to claim that word. Not that you're going to solve everybody's problems and not that everybody is going to just snap into perfection when they're in your presence. But there is something. <laughs> I'd be nifty. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? 
done. <laughs> I showed up. You're welcome. Right? That would be great. Um, but there is something about, uh, first of all, somebody holding space for you. Second of all, allowing somebody to hold space for you. Third of all, paying somebody yeah. to hold space for you. All of those components matter. They do. Have you ever had like a free treatment that if you knew that if they were a paying patient, they would have gotten better faster? Definitely. And even with some of the, the online stuff I do now, you know, there's always, as I do a lot of free things and I'm happy yeah, to me do too. them. I, you know, I love sharing the information that I do. And there is a different level of commitment between someone in like a free program or like a lower price program versus someone who's like in it for the long haul. And they're working with me for three months and mm-hmm. they just, they get better results. And there's many factors, you know, I don't want to say it's just money. So you got to pay me a ton. I don't, I'm always going to offer free things. Um, yes. And I think just that commitment of the time and the I'm showing up and yes, I'm, I'm parting with this, you know, energetic paper that means yeah. something to me. It, it means you're more invested. I'm certainly that yeah. way. You know? Absolutely. You're, you're trading value for value. Yeah. And when you are somebody who tends toward addiction or tends toward burnout, and I, I really think that they're very similar, mm-hmm. uh, very similar personalities. When you are somebody who tends toward that, it can be very difficult to choose to invest in yourself, especially because most of the time, all of your soothing techniques have been self-soothing, right? So you've DIY'd pretty much everything. So you get to the point where you believe that you should be able to DIY Mm -hmm. this as well, because you've DIY'd all of it, because you don't deserve in your mind, you do deserve, just hear me on that, you do deserve, but you don't feel like you deserve to pay for something like that. When you were, if you're in an addiction phase, then, you know, you spend the money on whatever your choice is, alcohol, drug, whatever, you spend the money on that and you, there's an internal, like, I know this is bad for me, so it's like, so it's okay. Like if it was good for you, you wouldn't be able to spend the money on it. Kind of like you're okay at being in the sabotage role. And mm. when you're in burnout, you're addicted to work and searching for that validation. So you're overdoing to get that validation, but that validation again, like, you know, it, it comes to you with like you having to almost kill yourself. So it's a little bit like you're constantly in this rhythm of like self-sabotage. Like I must kill myself to hear that I'm, to, to hear that I'm okay or good and mm-hmm. believe it. Yeah. It's like that badge of honor of, and mm. I saw this when I was first of practicing physical therapy. I remember I posted in a PT group about a clinic where I was working and I was like, they want me to see like three patients an hour. And it was like a crazy patient caseload. And I remember someone in the group posted something like, oh, it always weeds the weaker therapists out. And I was like, you know what? Fuck you, A. (laughs) And B, like, why am I a weaker therapist? Because I want to spend time with my patients and not be burned out at the end of the day. That's insanity. But it's like this whole badge of honor to be like, oh, I'm so busy. And I have like this and that. And it's like, I know that, like, even just saying that, I feel my body is like, ooh, like, <laughs> right. like, let's not do that. Um, but it's tough <laughs> because it is almost a societal norm of like, yeah. that's how we become successful. It's like, the, you know, you work hard and you make Pull money. Up your and, bootstraps. And- yeah. Yep, exactly. And, um, you know, I mean, yes, let's work hard and let's have a nice life also and feel good yeah. in our bodies and and allow ourselves to enjoy downtime without yeah. guilt. Yeah. Or, you, or needing to uh, deserve 
downtime. You don't need to do anything to deserve downtime. You don't need to have have a great launch or make enough money or finish a certain amount of hours in a day or help X amount of people. Like you're cool if you're, you're okay. If you want to take a 15 minute nap right now, like that's cool (laughs) for no reason. That's fine. You know, just do it. Just do Um, it. I love, I did the, I just posted recently the episode of Africa Brooke that I did back in February. And she talks about how she just started taking naps every day. And she's like, you know, I, I had this in my brain that when I got to a certain level of success, I would rest more. And then I realized that that's never, I'm never going to get to that level. So I might as well just start resting now. And that yeah. like struck such a chord with me. I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to take more naps. <laughs> right. And it's lovely. It is. Um, so I'm curious too. With the burnout, I had asked, uh, I'd let a couple of my entrepreneur colleagues and friends know you were coming on today. And so one of the questions someone had posed uh, is how are we able to distinguish early on in these, that, that we're heading for burnout? Like what are some kind of early warning signs or telltale things that we can identify to like, let us know, okay, whoa, I need to kind of pull back or take my naps, reassess anything that you've seen a pattern with in your, in your clients, your patients? Yeah, I think the first thing to look for is um, the amount of resentment that you're carrying for on a day-to-day basis. Oh, I love that. Resentment is a burnout red flag. The more of it you have, the more likely you are to be further down the scale. This is something that I work with a lot. I have a mini course on it on my website because I feel like the, and it's like, 25 bucks, $27, something ridiculous like that. Because I think, I honestly think that everybody needs to do it. It's one of those things that they're like, you need to have an ideal client. And I'm like, the whole world needs to do this, you know? I feel you. (laughs) So it's one of those things that I kind of almost give away because I I feel like it's such a necessary piece for healing, especially when, when you're in burnout. So a lot of burnout has to do with being a people pleaser, over giving, you know, overstepping your own boundaries. And what happens when you do that is you're giving people things that they're not asking for. So they're not grateful enough in return and they're not giving you anything back in return because they didn't even want the shit you gave them in the first place. And then you get mad at them. Mm-hmm. right? You don't notice how many things I do. You're not taking my advice. If you ever say, I'm just trying to help you. I was just trying to help her. Like red flag, hmm. red flag, right? So by noticing the things that are sparking our irritation on a regular basis, if you notice that you are, you know, five or 10 times a day, like kind of waving a resentment red flag, which is, for instance, uh, when I was really really just in my burnout and I did not admit it and I didn't really realize what was going on, I would get a text message from an unknown number and I would be like, don't these people understand I have a three-month waiting list? How is that person supposed to know I have a three-month waiting list? They don't, mm-hmm. I mean, like, come on, Katie. It's an unreasonable reaction to the situation. And I was already stressed out and annoyed that I was going to have to find a place for this person, even in three months time, because most people waited those three months, you know, like the, the waiting list just kept getting stretched out because people were waiting for it. And I was overwhelmed by that. So I was getting mad at them for contacting me, which is totally crazy because they, how, they don't know. It's not their job to manage my schedule. Right. It's not their job to know my schedule. So that's an example. Another example is, for instance, I um, would get a text message from a friend and they would say, would you like to go to lunch sometime this week? And I'd be like, what do you think? I'm somebody who can lunch? (laughs) I don't have the time to lunch. What's wrong with you? I'm busy. (laughs) 
you know, like this. <laughs> and I would write back something like, oh, I'm totally slammed. Can't make it. Sorry. But I'd be annoyed that they asked me. Right. I was annoyed that my friends were asking me to have lunch. Like, that's not that's not really okay. And I finished work at that time at, you know, one o'clock in the afternoon, two days a week. So I could very easily go for lunch after I finished my shift, but I couldn't get that in my head because I was so angry that somebody else wanted something from me. Mm -hmm. And this also, I, I, I'm going to go into a little bit of a silly area because I want you guys to hear that this also happens with inanimate objects. This is not just people. So if you find yourself day seven in a row, scraping your eggs off the pan in the morning and being really frustrated that your nonstick pan isn't nonstick anymore. Like get a new pan. Yeah. Because that level of annoyance at stupid things like that is a sign of resentment. Hmm. Sharpen your knives, get a new pan, like upgrade some stuff to ease some of this, but you have to see it first. And so um, you, resentment is a huge one. I think that's the first thing that I ask people to look out for, especially because nobody talks about resentment. I've been working, I've been teaching emotions in Chinese medicine since 2008. Nobody talks about resentment. Hmm. Have you ever heard anybody talk about it like in depth and say, we need to transform this. There's something we can do here. It's really huge in 12 step recovery, actually. Okay. okay, um, okay. But that's really the only place where it's like, look right. at your, I mean, there's a whole practice to it of like, look at yeah. your resentments and yeah. figure out your part. And then, you know, what can you do? Cause they, they link. And I love that you're linking. This is such a big red flag to burnout and talking about burnout and addiction being probably on the same, same spectrum, you know, um, where like, that's what will lead people to relapse or that's what leads exactly. people to get into these habitual patterns of alcoholism yes. or drug addiction in the first place. So these like resentments that we cannot freaking let go of. Yes, um, totally. So resentment is the big one that I tell people to sort of monitor the more of it you see, the closer you are, or you're already in it, yeah. you know, and, and the less of it you feel, the more you're kind of not, you're kind of okay. And the other sign I ask people to look for is to pay attention to when the coping mechanisms that have always worked for you stop being as effective. Mm -hmm. So if you could normally go for a three mile run at the end of your day to sort of clean out your body or you, you know, ride your bike or you go for a walk in the forest or whatever it is that you do, you continue to do, but instead of feeling better after it, you feel worse, you feel tired, you're not regenerated, etc. Those are really big warning signs for me because that lets us know that your batteries are so empty that you can't recharge them using the tools that always recharged them. That's great. Um, it's really good information. And I love that it's just very practical. And I love what you said about like, no, I love this. It's like you speak my <laughs> language. I'm like, yes, tools and strategies and it's practical, but we can talk about healing. <laughs> That's great. Right um, here. I know. I love it. Um, and I love what you said about inanimate objects too. I feel like one of the biggest sources of like rage and anger and um, I don't, I don't have this so many resentments anymore. And I'm, I'm like listening to you and I'm like, Hey, this is cool. Cause I can see where I really had more, but I get very frustrated with my laptop and technology in general. And um, so it's just good to know, like if that starts really getting out of control, then that's a sign and look for that. Um, yeah. And if that's the thing that's really going on, like, is there something 
you know, that you can upgrade reasonably within your financial means and within your whatever it happens to be, because I know that everybody has different abilities. So I'm not saying that everybody needs to go out and get a new laptop. Mine is from 2014. So, you know, but is there something like, do you need a new cord because your battery isn't charging properly because it's frayed at the point where it always twists too much just before it goes into the wall or whatever? Like, Mm -hmm. are there little things that you can do now to eliminate some of those moments of frustration so that you don't go down that road? Like, do you need a wi- do you need a Wi-Fi booster because you know every once in a while Zoom tells you that you have an unstable an unstable connection or whatever? You know, <laughs> I love when Zoom says that. I'm like, come on, Zoom. I live <laughs> in an apartment. Really, it's only that big. But do you need a Wi-Fi booster? Like, do you need to invest thirty nine dollars in you know a new pan? Like, whatever it happens to be. Do as many upgrades as you can so that those mini frustrations during the day are not stealing your energy. I, we call, I call those energy leaks in my mm-hmm. work. Like you're mm-hmm. just losing energy on shit that doesn't matter and could probably be solved. Yeah, I love that. My partner gave me a new mouse, which I was really resistant to because it plugs <laughs> in and it's not wireless, but I really hate the wireless mouse because it sucks. And he's like, here, just try this. And I was like, no, it's out of cord. He's like, just try it. And now I'm like, oh yeah, that mouse is, is pretty great. It actually works. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> There's a lot of that. Yeah, right? But it's, it is. It's such a simple thing. Um, yeah. And so if we, if we are identifying some of these things, um, and I know you mentioned a few ways, like do, do some of these small upgrades if we can. Yeah. And then what are some other ways that we can work with like our schedule or with pacing to help us not go deeper into the burnout, like wormhole or rabbit hole? Yeah, as far as scheduling is concerned, this is a really difficult one because it really varies on how you best function. I'm a total believer, like Chinese medicine says, it's the the healthiest to sleep from 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. That's what Chinese medicine believes, right? But if you do really well sleeping from 2 a.m. to 10 a.m. and you have a great day because you start your day at lunchtime because that's what feels good to you, like, that's fine. So scheduling overall, I think really has to be super individual. The things that I think are universal that need to happen are for, this is something that I just caught myself doing this week. So this is super fresh and I'm going to be a little, um, I'm going to be a little vulnerable and tell you guys that I've been messing up this week. I have the book launch coming up. Well, I'm in the book launch mode now, right? So the book is coming out September 14th. So I am doing a lot of interviews a lot of Facebook lives, a lot of Instagram lives, as many as I possibly can, because that's my job right now, right? Promote the book. So I'm doing all of these things and I started to schedule them. Instead of scheduling them in my work hours, I started scheduling them in my lunch hours. Lunch hours are for lunch, people. <laughs> and I, I say people, I really mean Kate. <laughs> I'm actually talking to myself right now. But lunch hours are for lunch. And I have, we have a dog. So lunch hour for me is throw lunch in the oven, grab the dog, go for a walk, come back and eat before you go back to work. And so the, there's to me, like use the space in your schedule that's dedicated for work for work. And if it doesn't fit in that dedicated space, you have to say no. Hmm. It's a tough one. I think, especially Mm. for entrepreneurs, um, especially because a lot, I know I was working like 30 hours a week seeing clients at first or seeing my PT patients and then try to squeeze my interviews in at 6am. And um, honestly, for me, COVID was such a wonderful tidying because 
my whole schedule shifted and I have a lot more free time now and um, not even free time. My time is scheduled differently so that right. I'm able to like take breaks, but that's, it's really hard. I think when you're, especially in these beginning stages of starting a business and you want to yeah. like build it up and there, you know, and there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of language in the entrepreneur community around like, that's how you have to do it. You've got to get yeah. up at 5 a.m., do outreach, do calls, schedule yeah. interviews with the East Coast. And, you know, and I just want to throw up a middle finger. Me too. So. I hate it. And it took me a while, like to really like, thank God for my own practitioner and for this trauma work, because now I understand like, oh, my system does not operate that way. I will not be successful in that ever. And I think it's true for a lot of people. So to recognize, hey, there is this other, there's this other way we can do this. And yeah. Um, think about pacing and timing and how, like, when are we most effective in our days yeah. or, or fresh, you know? And I think it's important that you mentioned that somebody that you spoke with um, on a podcast in February, you said you just re-released it. And she said, you know, I started taking naps because I realized, you know, I was never going to get to the point where I thought that I was, could rest kind of. Mm -hmm. And this is something that we talked about on my show as well with my coach, actually. She said, you know, one of her big techniques has been building rest from the beginning. If you're an entrepreneur, you have to build in rest to your schedule on purpose from the very beginning because entrepreneurs tend to have a certain level of ambition and drive internally, right? Like we, we kind of live for the, a little bit of the fight, a little bit, yeah. but we don't have to live in the ring constantly. That's important. And she was saying exactly that, exactly what your guest was saying, that it doesn't, you don't all of a sudden get to a point where you think, oh, I can rest now. Not if you didn't grant yourself that earlier. So this is, I think building and rest is a practice. Yeah. Even if that rest is lunch, even if that rest is make sure you have a break in between calls every two hours so that you can pee. Mm -hmm. Like we're talking about the basics here, people. Yeah. I build love in that. white space. Yeah. Build it in from the beginning too, from like yeah. day one when you first yes. get started. Yeah. And it's not lazy and it doesn't mean that you don't care. Like that verbiage drives me crazy too. Like, well, if you're not doing, you know, these 10 hour days and obviously you just don't Where's your drive? Where's your passion? It's like, I'm taking a nap. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I need, like, and you need your creativity to work as an entrepreneur. You've got to be creative. Yeah. Your right brain will not be online. If you are constantly in functioning mode, constantly being in functioning mode is very, a very left brained activity. And what born of um, burnouts issues is that there's not good hemispheric communication. Hmm. So the right and the left brain sort of don't talk to each other as well. You go into super left brain, black and white thinking, and it's hard for you to get back to, so you don't feel your emotions. You're not in tune with what your body is telling you. So you're not stopping to take a break when you need it because you don't even feel it because you are focused on getting the next paper finished because your left brain says, you know, if you do this within the, within the next hour, that would be quote unquote good or beneficial, mm -hmm. right? So one of the things for healing from burnout, you know, like the yogic um, alternate nostril breathing mm -hmm. is really important because it reconnects the left and right hemispheres of the brain and allows them to communicate better. Things like yoga nidra and body scan meditations, which are you guys technically the same thing as just the West decided to call it body scan, but in, in India, it's called yoga nidra. Um, so doing things like that, you know, those, those are the things that sort of allow the left and right brain to reconnect. And these are simple practices, but they require rest. Hmm. They require it. Yeah. I love that you brought up the, the yoga nidra and the alternate nostril breathing. Cause that's, 
relatively simple and something that we can just build into our days that doesn't need to be this whole huge practice or thing that takes up a lot of time. It's just something we can add in. I'm a big fan of practices that take 60 seconds and less. <laughs> yep. Yeah, me too. Under five minutes is usually mine. Yeah. So yours are even like quicker, but I think it is. It's good. Like when can you build stuff into your day, not just have like one portion of yeah, your day? Well, like... And something that Justin was saying on the podcast that I just listened to of yours was um, the idea that we need to consistently create those feelings of safety and rest before we get to crisis. Yep. So I don't need you to recognize burnout and then start resting. I need you to start resting now so that if you do recognize burnout, you already have that resting practice and it's easier for your body to enter that state. Yeah. I loved that he said that. I was like, yes, please say that Mm -hmm. more. Can I shout this from the rooftop? (laughs) Yeah. And building in and knowing what our resources are and like what happened, you know, when do we notice ourselves feeling, you know, good, normal, like ourselves? Yeah. yeah. And, and what does that feel like? And take some time with it. That's one of my biggest things is how can we, how can we take time with that practice like daily throughout our days and build that in so that our brains and our bodies have this place to go that isn't just like super high functioning foot on the gas, like barreling down the highway, 120 miles an hour for our nervous system. Ending in burnout city. Yeah, exactly. And they didn't burn out in a fiery crash. Um, uh, one of the questions I wrote down, I don't know if I was serious, is why is being an entrepreneur so hard? <laughs> I think I was having a moment last night when I wrote that. Well, that's a silly question, isn't it? <laughs> Any thoughts? Sure. Yeah, let's go into that. Number one. There are so many different skills that you need to be an entrepreneur. The business that you're doing, you have to have the skill to be able to provide the service or create the product that you are selling. So you need some sort of education in that. You also need some sort of knowledge in how to run a business. You also need to have pretty decent understanding of the fact that your prices need to be high enough to cover credit card costs and shut up about finding you know, workarounds and using Venmo illegally for your business so that you don't have to pay PayPal $14 when you accept your payment, you know, whatever it is. You have to understand um, that setting aside, you know, tax money as the year goes will make tax season feel better for you. And you have to understand that you are a limited person and outsourcing things that are not your source of genius uh, before you're te- technically ready to outsource them is an absolutely necessary step in the evolution of your business. And you have to, under- you know, we could go on and on and on. And, 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 and you have to be a marketer yeah. and you have to be great at social media and you should feel comfortable making videos and you should probably run a podcast because obviously, and probably <laughs> in the meantime, you should write a book because that's always helpful. Right. So, so yeah. Hi, like we, we wear every fucking hat that's available. And then we wonder why we're overwhelmed. Yeah. Yeah, it's really obvious when you think about it. It's a lot. It's a lot. And it matters to us. Yeah, a lot. I think that is the biggest thing is it's right. like very, I think I've recently just been gotten a bit better at sort of separating like myself from me and my business. Me as my business, yeah. Yeah, because it's painful sometimes to get yeah. those like rejections or things don't go the way you want. And it's almost like this, 
it can feel very personal. So I yes. think that's another good like distinction. One of my, one of my coaches actually brought this up, like know who you are and how's your life is going. And then look at, take a look at how's your business going. And they're, it's not the same, you know, there's overlap, but yeah, but it's not the same. And that's really important. But when you, when you are an entrepreneur and you're cre- creating something, especially in the helping professions, mm-hmm. you didn't, you need to make money. Like we all need to pay our bills and eat. So it's not like we, we necessarily want to do this all for free, but a lot of us feel like if we could, <laughs> that would be much easier. Mm-hmm. Let me just give away all this stuff because that would be much easier. And um, knowing how important it is to you and knowing that other people need to be invested in it in order for it to be successful is sort of a hard thing to swallow. Like it's kind of like, oh, I started this business so that I could have freedom and depend on myself. Like I've been an entrepreneur since the day I graduated. So this is me 14 years later. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, you start with this, like, I'm just going to help people. I'm just going to offer these things. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I'm just going to. And like you said, it gets personal and it's hard to, it's hard to roll yourself back from that when it's so damn important for you to be successful at this thing, not only for your own success. Yeah. Like I honestly believe <laughs> this might sound ego, egomaniacal, egomaniacal. There the it right is. This might sound like that, but I honestly believe that the work I'm doing, even if it's not done by me, to be honest, because I think that there's a lot of really great voices in the burnout world right now. But I think focusing on burnout and reminding people about community and reminding people about rest and reminding people that it doesn't have to be this way, especially female entrepreneurs who are my, the core clientele, like people that have built major businesses and become very successful and then said, oh shit, I don't feel good up here, right? Mm-hmm. That's, my, that's my client. And I think that this work being done right now, especially right now on this planet, I honestly believe that should I be like reach my goal of hashtag ending burnout culture, that's my, that's my you know, main goal, end burnout culture. That's just a mini thing that I'd like to do. Um, that it changes, right? It changes the history of the world completely because the more money female entrepreneurs have the better that money will be spent and the more power we will gain and the more we will have the ability to shift the course of history in the world i'm doing this work because i want individual people to feel better but i'm also doing this work because i honestly think that there are millions of us out there that the more money that we're making the better the entire world is going to be quite literally i agree wholeheartedly is that totally insane and no, big-headed. no, I think the work I'm doing is incredibly important. And again, yeah. and I, I don't think it's me. I think there's a lot of practitioners right, like that, are, that are doing, I'll attract the people that work well with me, but yeah, yeah, I think it's hugely important. Like, yeah. and this whole thing is somebody, well, I won't even go into that. Just going to talk about money for a second, but um, <laughs> I, yeah, I think it's great. Like, yes, let's have a lot of it and, and implement change, you yeah. know? Let's use it to gain power and shift things. Yeah. I mean, you guys, we've only been, women have been allowed to get a mortgage in the United States since the mid seventies. Isn't that crazy? The mid seventies. That's crazy. And even now with some of these like abortion bills being passed yeah, and this like, like, what are you ta- like, what? like, like who's even in Congress right now? It's <laughs> primarily, I know it's old white dudes. Like it is, Come you know, on. I know, I know. We have two presidential candidates who are like 80. I know. White. 80 year old 
men. Like those, these are not the people we need leading us right now. Yeah. Regardless of, of, you know, who you like and don't like, like we need people who are younger, who understand what's happening right now in the world. Not, no, not that. Yeah. That's not where we're going. And I really feel like should female entrepreneurs, because the, the, if you, if you look at the American Express state of female owned businesses um, from 2019, we are killing it. That's awesome. We're killing it. But so many of us are burning out on the way that we're closing down these businesses that we created really yeah. successfully. I, I have to stop that part. Yeah. I have That's to, great. I, I feel like I have to stop that, that bit. And especially now with all the racism talks this year, totally necessary. I'm, I'm very into them. Um, if you look at that same study, that same report from American Express, five times more black women are starting businesses than white women right now. Can we get them some power, please? Yeah. Can we amplify those voices, please? Can we, can we do this, please? They've been carrying us for centuries. Let's give them some power. Yeah. Let's let them change some things for the positive. Like I'm, I'm into it. I want that. So I feel like, um, so when you're that attached to your work, when you think your work is, is that important, when, when you feel like the end goal is such a big change, yeah, it's hard to roll back. It's hard to chill. It's hard to build and rest, but you've got to for the sake of your business, for the sake of your goals, for the sake of your, your individual why, you know? Yeah. Wonderfully well said. I feel like we need a round of applause. I'm like, <laughs> where's the stadium? You need, we're going to have to get like a sound bar. I like, know. I'm like the audience clapping. <laughs> that was great. Um, and I loved that whole answer to my question. I'm glad I looked down and saw it. I'm glad I wrote that down yesterday. Yeah, it was good. Um, well, we're, I don't want to go on forever. I could ask you a lot more things, but I try to keep these under an hour so people uh, yeah. people stay engaged and don't get bored. Don't get bored out there, listeners. Thanks for being here. <laughs> <laughs> I just did a little shimmy. Yeah, whoa, it's shimmy time. Everybody <laughs> shake for a moment. I had a lot of shaking today. It's I did it live this morning. I was like, let's just shake, everybody. Um, well, and I'm sure your really listeners good. know that shaking is a trauma release. So, you know, good idea. Yeah. It always feels good. Um, yeah. so tell us a little bit about the book, the bounce back ability factor. You, like you said, you're, you know, in kind of book marketing mode. So let's, um, let's hear the book pitch, the book pitch, the bounce back ability factor and burnout, awesome. gain Yeet. resilience change the world. <laughs> That's the whole title. And for me, it is geared toward the female entrepreneur, but obviously it's going to uh, be useful for a lot of different people. For me, the main messages of the book are that you are bounce backable and bounce back ability to me is a combination of four factors, resilience, trust, grit, and surrender. I don't want to let go of the resilience and the grit. That left brain section is important. And so I'm not into hustle culture, but there are some things that you need to sometimes push through. And there are some discomforts that you have to manage as in, in your road to being a successful entrepreneur. But I don't want to forget about the trust and the surrender. I don't think that we can be successful, truly successful and happily successful without them. So to me, that, that's bounce back, bounce back ability. And everybody has it. It's simply a question of awakening it in each person. And the, the other part of the book that I find the most important is burnout is not your fault. Mm. And I say it a lot in the book because I need to help people 
get rid of this idea that they can't admit when they're overwhelmed, overdone, fried, crispy, cooked, empty, candle burnt at both ends, battery needs to be all of those, whatever metaphor you feel like using today. You are not meant to feel guilty about that or shame about that or self-judgment about that. It's not your fault. These patterns of behavior that lead to burnout are trauma adaptations that you created in childhood. They're not your fault. You are not broken. You might need a little bit of glue here and there, but it's put, it's put back togetherable. Hmm. Right. And I, I just want people to really have this sense that it's not beyond what's, what they're capable of. Cause my one-on-one clients, I hear very frequently say, I don't feel like myself. I feel like I lost the best parts of myself. I'm not enjoying myself. I don't feel fun anymore. Hmm. And I don't know if I can get it back. What I need you to know is you can get it back. So this is what the book is designed to do. And it includes seven main reasons why we burn out. And then seven fixes for, you know, one fix for each of those reasons. And then sends you off into the world to feel wonderful. Sounds great. Sounds, um, sounds very practical. And I love that. I just love the way you said like burnout is not your fault. So I feel like that's you really talking to me like on that, again, subconscious level a little bit. Um, and it's, it's funny cause you've mentioned the episode with Justin Sanceri a few times and his whole like hashtag thing he uses is stuck, not broken. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Me too. Love that. I really I loved listening to the conversation that the two of you had. I thought it was really empowering um, to listen to. Just like, listen, you can do these small things and you can help yourself. Like, that's really cool. Yeah. We'll have to tag him in this episode. Yeah. And it'd be like, hey, we talked about you a lot. We talked um, about you. <laughs> oh, he's such a great guy. Um, so September 14th, the book will be out and that'll be linked, as I said. And then all of Caitlin's, you go by Kate. Kate, most of the time, yeah, because okay. when I tried to buy a domain name, that's the only one that was available. Kate? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Caitlin Donovan was taken, so I just took Kate, and now that's what I use. <laughs> oh, there we go. So you can find Kate Donovan on her, uh, her webpage with the same domain name, but I'll put all her links in the bottom, and definitely check out the book. And all of your, all of your resources, I know you're active on Instagram, and you have a Facebook page I was checking out yesterday, a business page. Um, and it's been such a pleasure. It's been so wonderful to connect with you and speak with you and just hear how passionate you are about the work you're doing because it's so, it's so incredibly important. Ditto. Yeah. Thanks. Right, right back at you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I know that it's, as someone who has their own podcast, I know that it can be overwhelming to have a lot of, you know, guest options. And um, I'm just really grateful to have kind of shared some space. And I really like the, um, the, the small practicalness that we share within the world that obviously includes a significant amount of spirituality and personal growth, but that we kind of resonate on that very practical level. It makes me happy because those are the things that sort of turn me on the most. Like I, I really love that. So I'm glad that that's where we found connection. I think it's super cool. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Thank you everyone for listening. And um, Caitlin, thank you so much. Thank you.